There was a pastor who went to his normal uh, service one night. It was a midweek service. And he was in a small little town. And as he went to make his way to this church service, he was getting everything turned on. Walked in the doors, turned the lights on, walked through the auditorium, was making his way through his entire church building. Again, a small little church, a small little town. And as he was preparing that evening, it was a prayer meeting is what they would typically have on these Wednesdays. As they were having this normal prayer meeting every single Wednesday, this pastor was getting prepared and he was getting his message ready and making sure everything was good to go and he was anticipating when the people would begin to come. And as he was standing there, he was kind of just standing at the very top of the, the platform where he would preach from, and he was looking out, and he was just waiting. And he was, he was standing there, he was waiting for people to kind of funnel through the doors. And this was kind of a, an older, uh, old, old school type of church building, if you remember walking in certain buildings where it was just a, an auditorium, and right at the very back was just the doors, and those doors would swing open and people could walk in. As he was standing there, he was just staring at that door, and for 30 minutes he stared at that door as 30 minutes went by and nobody had showed up. The man, again, living in a small town, pastoring this small little church, had went up to and shut the lights off and wrapped everything up and decided he was just going to spend a few moments in prayer and then leave and be on his way. Well, as it was customary in this little small town... If anyone were to die, they would go and ring the bell in the town. Well, the pastor was typically the one who would go and do that. And so the pastor made his way up to where he would ring the bell. And as he ring the, rung the bell, he was walking down. And as he was walking down, he could hear people flooding the streets trying to run to the church. As they began to run to the church, they began to run up to the pastor. And as he is walking down the stairs, they're, they're, he can hear everybody, the commotion outside. And as he opens the door, people begin to ask, who has died? Who's dead? Who, who, who's passed? Who, 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 who are we missing? The pastor is looking at them with tears in his eyes. He says, the church is dead. As he looks at those people, he says, the church is dead. And he says, at this point in time, I resign. I will no longer be your pastor. At that point in time, he walks down the steps. People begin to, to kind of move out of his way, and he goes on his way, resigning because the church was dead. We're living in a day and age today where we're able to relate to a story like that because churches are dying. Christians are dead. You say, well, what do you mean? I mean very simply that as we come to realize the state of our nation, it's easy to blame the politicians. And it's easy for us to turn on the news and say, no, it's not the politicians, it's the news anchors and all of the many things that they are putting out there. But the truth of the matter is, long before all of this began to take place, Christians began to stop doing their job. And long before the state of our nation was what it is today, Christians stopped getting on their knees. And Christians stopped being faithful to the house of God and to the Lord Himself and opening the Bible for themselves. Long before we found ourselves in the state in which we find ourselves, Christians began to take time off. And when we come to these words right here, whom shall I send and who will go for us? You see, we used to live in a nation where every single Christian wanted to be used of God and was doing everything possible to be used of God. It wasn't an uncommon thing for people to be walking down the streets and everybody be talking about how good God was. It wasn't an uncommon thing for every single church that you walk past to be filled with people just wanting for the preacher to preach from the book. But now, you fast forward to 2021. 
Now you find that many Christians are taking time off. And when we read these verses right here, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. We no longer say that. If someone is looking for someone to serve and the Lord might be pricking someone's heart to go and do something, instead of saying, Lord, here am I, we begin to look around and say, I wonder who the Lord's going to use. Well, who's, who's God going to, he sure ain't going to use me because I'm not going. Mm-mm. Who's God going to use? You see, we're living in a day and age where at one point in time, people sought to be a blessing and people sought to be used of God to be a blessing to others. But now we just come looking for a blessing. We have no intentions of sharing the blessing. Now we live in a day and age where at one point in time, we had pastors in pulpits that were preaching God's word. But now there are more churches than pastors. There are more ministries than servants. There are more things going on that need to be dealt with here. But people are saying, no, I'm going to let someone else do that. You see, this morning I'm asking every single one of us to take this word given very simply. Can I ask you a question before we get right into the message this morning? Have you given yourself to God? You say, well, what does that even mean? Have you ever surrendered your life to the Lord and said, Lord, not my will, but thine be done? Have you ever come to the place where you say, Lord, I'm I'm tired of trying to figure things out on my own, Lord. I'm giving you the blank piece of paper, Lord. You write the rest of the story. I love reading. I used to hate reading. I love reading. When we go on vacation, I will typically try to take at least one book, and I'll try to read that book the entire vacation. It's something for me, it's it's, it's typically something that's a, a release, believe it or not. And I'll get away from certain things, and I'll just spend some time in reading. And one of the things that I enjoy, I love being able to pick up a book, and there are certain books like this that I have on my my shelf. There's one missionary book that I have probably read a dozen times, and it's one of those that once you pick it up, you can't put it down. The name of that book is called Brushko. Any of you ever heard of this book? I know Brother John's heard of the book Brushko. If you have a heart for missions and you want to get a copy of this book, let me know. This book is one of those. I believe he's got a second one. But this book is a book where he begins to just share his heart in an entire book. You ever had a book where you just picked it up and you you wanted to put it down, but you didn't want to miss something even though you know the pages weren't going to leave? You just wanted to keep going. You know, I begin to think about that as much as I read. Sometimes, if we aren't willing to surrender our lives and be given to God, we begin to start to try to write in our own story. There have been some books that I've read before where the first two or three chapters, they kind of flowed and they went real smooth and I enjoyed those first three chapters. Then there might be one chapter that just didn't really fit to me in that book. And then there might be a couple other chapters in that book that really went smoothly and then there were you know, a couple that didn't go and I just said, you know, I, I read this book but I don't really like chapter 3 or 6 or 9 or 12 or, you know, and I, I go through. I begin to think about that as there are books like that in my own life that I will pick up because I have a journal that I'll write in and I'll I'll kind of give a a star rating for books that I would read. And some of them have one stars. One star means I'll never pick this book up ever again. They had no business writing it. It's useless. That's what it means for me. There are some books that are about a three star. That's that's a, a star where, hey, I'd pick it back up again, but it has to be a certain season of life type book. Then there are some that are five where I could pick it up at any point in time and I could read this. But as I began to think about the, the, the many chapters sometimes that don't go, I began to think about the Christian life. In the Christian life, when we offer God that blank piece of paper, how many times do we let God write the first three chapters, then all of a sudden, chapter four, we say, Lord, I'm going to take this chapter. You don't worry about it. 
only to come to the realization at the end of chapter 4 that chapter 4 doesn't really align with the first three chapters, and we say, you know what, Lord, that chapter's a mess. Take chapter 5 back. He begins to rewrite chapter 5 and 6 and 7, and all of a sudden something happens, some form of... Uh, bitterness or, or sin begins to take effect in our hearts and our lives, and we say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to take chapter 8. You don't worry about it. And we spend chapter 8 and maybe even dabble into chapter 9, only to realize once again, Lord, that this chapter isn't as nice as chapter 1, 2, and 3, and chapter 5, 6, and 7. Lord, I, I want to give it back to you. And that's the, the, the never-ending Christian life, the highs and the lows, the valleys and the mountaintop experiences. One of the things that I have found to be true is that as God writes my story, and I believe you would say this to be the same, you don't want your story to be a one-star. You don't even want your story to be a three-star. You don't want your story to be one that, hey, you know, it's an average book. I'll pick it up, but it has to be a certain time of life. No, I believe every single one of us this morning would say, no, we want God to write our story, and that story to be a five-star story in the sense of we were so given to God that he wrote a beautiful story. As you think about Isaiah chapter number 6, notice these words one more time. The Bible says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. You see, in Isaiah chapter number 6, we come to see a couple of things as we lay a foundation that the source of this call was God himself. And as, as, David, or as, as Isaiah saw the source of this call, he understood that there was a seriousness to this call. And as he was taking this thing serious and he was understanding that, hey, the source is a higher source than any other. The source is a greater source than any other. It's not just my parents. It's not just this individual. It's not someone that I appreciate. It's not someone that I like. But it's God Almighty that's calling me. He understood how serious it was. And so we see that, De- uh, that Isaiah was surrendered to this call here. And it's, in, and it's in Isaiah chapter number 6, verses 8 on down, where we begin to see some things about Isaiah that I pray will be a help to us because he was unselfish in this surrender. Isaiah didn't surrender with the idea of, hey, how much can I be seen? No, it was never about that. He just said, Lord, I'm willing. I'm available. As I was preparing for the message this morning, last night I was sitting down and I was reading a quote. I read a quote that was sent to me. And I have talked to you about this before, but I believe every single pastor, every single preacher, every single one who is serving the Lord in a ministry or whatever capacity wants that ministry to flourish. And, you know, the the average time that a youth director is a youth director and a pastor is a pastor at one location is less than five years. The turnover for youth directors is about two to two and a half years before they go on to a new ministry. Sometimes it's even less than that. For a pastor, you're looking at about four years, four and a half years before a pastor will go. And I was reading this statement, and again, I believe every single one of us who serves in a ministry or pastors or preachers wants that ministry to flourish. And a preacher was talking. He said, many different people look at these ministries that are flourishing. And they see all that, and they see what God is doing. They, very simply to summarize, they said, you want to have a ministry that flourishes? Stay put. It's always easier to go looking for a new opportunity, isn't it? It's always easier to say, it must be greener on the other side, only to realize that trials are still over there. Temptations are still over there. Struggles are still over there. Hardships are still over there. 
And as you begin to think about many different things within our lives, there are things that begin to summarize our lives, and we begin to say, Lord, I just don't know, or we begin to summarize these many areas and these stipulations on why we shouldn't or why we can't do things. The word is the word given. Can I ask you a question this morning? Before you ever get to this place of being able to say, here am I, have you fallen into the place of putting conditions on what God is allowed to do with your life? You say, well, you can't do that. I know you ultimately can't. We can't tell God what He can and can't do with our lives. He'll see fit to do what He desires. But how many of us have often said, Lord, I would, but only if. Lord, I'll I'll serve here, but only if you do this. God, I'll go there, but only if. Many times we make the conditions. You see, Isaiah had no conditions here. He didn't have a clue what was going to take place. David, as you study David's life. Daniel, as you study Daniel's life. Joseph, as you study Joseph's life. And on and on. There was no conditions given. Here am I. Lord, whatever you have fit. Whatever you see from my life. Lord, wherever you're going to take me. Lord, whatever you're going to do with me. Lord, here I am. Notice with me, if you would, a couple of things in this passage of Scripture. Verse number 8, the Bible says one more time, Who shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Notice with me six things. The first one is it's a present moment. It's a present moment. What I mean by that is it's right now. It's a present moment. Every single one of us of our lives, God has specific moments within our lives where He is trying to direct us, He's trying to guide us, He's trying to bring us to a place what He would have for us. And it's right then in that moment where God says, hey, I want to reach you here. Hey, I want to send you forth here. Hey, I want to do something right very now. You see, the word here, as we see that, it's a present moment in this time. It's not past. I was almost there. It's not future. I will be there. No, it's right now, God, I'm here. Lord, here I am. You see, Isaiah doesn't say, as you read verse number 8, Lord, I'll be there if no one else is. He doesn't say, Lord, I was almost there, but that time has come and gone. Lord, I'm no longer there. No. As you read verse number 8, the Bible says, Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Without hesitation at all, he says, Then said I, Here am I. Right this very moment, God, if you're going to do something, do it right now, Lord. Here am I in this area, in this moment, in this second, Lord. I'm surrendering my life. Lord, whatever you have for me, I'm right here. Not there, not over there, right here. The Bible goes on to tell us in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 23, verse number 26. We'll be here tonight. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Mark eight thirty four. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Romans chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, notice this next word, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, this moment that we're speaking of is a present moment. That moment is right this very moment. At 1147... 
on June the 27th, you're sitting in Gateway Baptist Church, and God is asking right this very moment, who will go? God is saying, hey, who's going to be that one? God is saying, hey, who is going to obey and go and reach and do and have all that I have planned for them to be seen through? Hey, at this present moment right here, God might be pricking your heart saying, hey, this is what I have for you. But are you going to say, right now I'm going to obey? Are you going to say, Lord, I was there, but I'm no longer there? Are you going to say, Lord, maybe if you work in my heart in a couple of weeks, I'll be there. But Lord, I'm just not there right now. You know why you're not there right now? Because you haven't surrendered. You see... At any given time within our lives, if you surrender your all and you say, Lord, I'm given, then there's going to be a time whenever what God has been doing in the private all of a sudden will show forth in the public. I already made mention of that. Share this in the Sunday School Hours. We've started a new series on the life of David for just a little while. David is seen for two moments in his life oftentimes. David and Goliath, David and Bathsheba. The highest moment of his life that we look at and the lowest of lows. Those are the things that we think about when we think about David. But when you study the life of David and you look at the life of David, what God was doing in his private life before he was ever seen in the moment of David and Goliath, it didn't take David a lot of time to act upon. David walks up onto the scene. His brothers aren't doing anything. Matter of fact, his brothers were annoyed that he even showed up. What are you doing here? David walks up. Goliath's out there mocking their God. David walks up. Nobody's doing anything over here. Nobody's doing anything over there. Nobody's doing anything over there. All right, I'll take matters in my own hands. Is there not a cause? He shows up, sling in his hand, kills him. Just like that. Didn't, didn't, didn't have a lot of prodding for God to do. No, a need was seen, and David said, somebody's got to. You see, this morning, as we come to Isaiah chapter number 6, verse number 8, a need was seen, and action had to be put forth. Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I. Notice that word here. Notice with me number two, it's a personal moment. Notice not only the word here, but notice the next two words, am I. You see, this morning, we see a, a moment in time. It's a present moment. Right this very moment, every single one of us is going to have to make a decision. As the invitation is given later on, there's going to be a time where I'm going to plead, I'm going to beg, I'm going to ask of everyone that if you haven't surrendered, to surrender your all. That if you're not already given to God, that you would give your life to the Lord. You say, well, how can I picture this? Just recently we had baby day. Baby day, typically what we do on a baby day dedication is we will have the parents come up. What the parents are doing is they are dedicating that child to the Lord, understanding that that baby's life is only placed in their hands for just a short while. They're giving that child back to the Lord because they're ultimately placing that child back in the Lord's hands. But there comes a time when that child begins to grow and that child begins to make their own decisions. That child becomes an adult. And oftentimes what we find to be true is that whenever we begin to get into adulthood, if you would, we like to try to make our own decisions with no longer consulting God on what He has for us. So there has to come a time where God was given that child by the parents. But is that child going to give their own life to God? And this morning, I'm asking every single one of us, you say, well, I've, I've never surrendered my life. Today would be the greatest day that you could. Surrender now. You say, well, what if I do it in a couple of weeks? No, surrender now. It's a present moment. 
God wants you to do it right now, but now it's a personal moment. You have to make that personal decision. You see, at the end of our lives, you begin to look back and you'll be able to look back and say, you know what, I wish I would have done this. And I wish I would have done this. And I wish I would have gone here. And I wish I would have talked to this person. I wish I would have done that there. You're going to look back. And as you look back on your life, you're not going to be able to blame other people for why you didn't serve God. Come here, Jared. Come here, Jonathan. Jared, come here. These two are twins. They've been talking about me the entire time I've been preaching because they have that telepathy thing going on. Except... Whenever one of them forgets their Bibles, the other one doesn't tell them about that. I don't know what goes on there. If Jonathan doesn't serve the Lord, it's not Jared's fault. Matter of fact, if Jonathan doesn't serve the Lord, it's not even Jaden's fault. It's not Miss Linda's fault. It's not Brother Chris's fault. It's not my fault. It's his fault. If you don't surrender your life to the Lord and you look back on your life and you say, you know what, I didn't do this because of the influence. Well, guess what? You chose to hang around those influences. God in his word is clear about choosing the right kind of friends and the right kind of friendships. You say, well, I I just didn't know. I was trying to reach them. You know as well as I do that you can try to reach them, but doing the same thing and living in the same sin that they're trying to live in, trying to reach them out of that sin, it's not how it works. Thus saith the Lord is how it works. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Going and telling them that, hey, you're living in sin, but God has something far greater for you is how it works. And so guess what? If Jonathan decides, you know what? I'm not going to live for God. I'm not going to give myself to the Lord. It's not anybody else's fault except Jonathan's. The same can be said about both of our, all of our lives. You see, it's a personal moment. Isaiah didn't struggle here. He didn't hesitate here. He didn't pause He says, here am I, send me. Notice with me, number three, we see it's a pleading moment. Holding your place here, go with me to the book of 1 Chronicles for just a moment. I want to share with you a prayer that I pray every single day. It's a pleading moment in Isaiah chapter number 6, verse number 8. He says two words, send me. Now there comes a time where God also deals with us praying that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. But the truth of the matter is, I believe that we have taken that out of context in the sense of we are praying only that God would send others, but God would never send us. And we say, well, doesn't the Bible say that we should pray that God would send forth laborers? Yeah, but you're a laborer as well. Every single one of us. So as you pray that God would send forth, pray that God would start with you. In Isaiah, we see that he says, send me. He doesn't say send others, he says, send me. 1 Chronicles chapter number 4, I pray this prayer every single day of my life. I would encourage you to pray it. The Bible says in verse number 10, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. Listen, I want all of God's blessings for my life. I don't want to miss out on anything God has for me. I want to experience the best of the best. I want to be found ten times better, just like Daniel and those that were with him were found ten times better. I want to be able to experience all that God has for my life. I don't want to look back on my life and say, hey, I caused myself to miss out on all of these blessings because I didn't give myself to the Lord. He goes on. He says, and enlarge my coast. I pray that God would answer this prayer every single day. Enlarge my coast. Give me more opportunities. God, I want to not just speak to this group. I want to be able to speak to as many people and come in contact with as many people as I can to influence them 
influence this nation for the cause of Christ. That's my prayer. He goes on, he says, And that thine hand might be with me. Hey, we need the hand of God on our lives. I love the fact that we have so many people that support each other. I love that parents that support their children. I love that we have people behind these young people, but these young people need the hand of God on their lives. He goes on, he says, That thou wouldest keep me from evil. I believe he closes in verse number 10, that thou wouldest keep me from evil because he understood the seriousness of temptation. You see, God could do all of those things. God can, oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. God can do that. God can enlarge his coast. God could do that. God could put his hand upon his life. But he understood right here, as Jabez is praying this prayer, that, hey, I'm also going to have to put some force, some effort. Lord, keep me from evil. Lord, as temptation is around, Lord, help me not to act upon it. Lord, as sin is lurking, Lord, help me not to look to it. Lord, help me just to walk with you every step of the way. Notice what the Bible says here. The very end, and God granted him that which he requested. You see, Jabez understood something that I believe Isaiah understood. That it was now. That it was present. That it was in that very moment that God had something specific for him. And this morning, I'm asking every single one of you to give your life to God right this very moment. Pray, God, do something specific with my life. Pray that, Lord, use me in a way that only you can use me. As I shared this the other night, as you look into those babies' eyes, the very moment that you hold that child, you have so many things running through your mind of what their life is going to be like. God, what are you going to do here? Lord, how are you going to use them here? God, what are you going to, you know, when are they going to get saved? And who are they going to marry? And what school are they going to go to? And, and all, what, what's, their, what's their education going to be like? And Lord, what's their career going to look like? Lord, what, all of these many things funnel through your mind. They run through our minds oftentimes. As you think about this, I believe that every single one of us would say, you know what, Lord, do something specific with their life. Number four. Brother John and I were texting the other day, and I have to give him credit for this one. It's a purposeful moment. When you get a couple of preachers together talking about a message or a passage of Scripture, you begin to pull things apart. Notice this statement in verse number 8. The Bible says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, notice these words, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? You see, in every single one of our lives, you might be asking, Well, what's the reason for even doing that? There's a purpose for it. God has a purpose for everything. This purposeful moment, I believe it speaks of a place that was there. You see, every single one of us, God has a place that he was designing right this very moment for us to reach. There's a person right there that's maybe around the corner, a neighbor down the street, or a, a co-worker at work. God has for you to reach. But the purpose is always the same. The purpose is always that we would reach them, and that we would point them to Jesus. You see, I love whenever I've had the opportunities to lead people to Christ. But I never want them to say, Josh saved me. I didn't save them. Matter of fact, I didn't do anything. Matter of fact, if they thought I could, then I did something wrong. But I rejoice when they say, God saved me. God did something. I rejoice when young people are sharing a testimony or families are sharing testimonies or individuals and they begin to say, look what God has done. A purposeful moment. Final two things. Notice with me, number five, we see it's a producing moment. 
Go with me, if you would, to verse number 9. The Bible says, and he said, Go and tell this people. Go and tell this people. It's a producing. You see, the moment that you say, God, here I am, is the moment that God begins to go like this. It's time to get to work. It's time to do something. Hey, it, it, it's time, to, it's time to, to, to buckle up. I've got a, a long journey ahead, but you're going to enjoy it. God begins to, all right, finally. Yes, they said, here am I, send me. Come here real quick. Come over here. All right, I want you, real quick, as I am asking for, for a volunteer just to, can you, can you get, like, loud and boisterous? Are you, allowed to, are you able to do that? Because I know you're a little more quiet like I was, all right? I don't have much confidence right now. As I, as I ask that question, I want you just to, to get excited. Say, here am I. I'll do it, all right? You think you can do that? I know your grandpa can. There we go. All right, I'm going to be sitting over here. I want you to come seek me as I ask that question, okay? Can you do that for me? I want you to be, all right now. All right. I need someone to do a task. I need someone to go. I need someone to go on this street. I need someone to do this exact moment. I need someone to reach this person. Who, who will go? Who's going to go for me? Anyone? Here am I. There we go. Hey, man. Look at that. Hey. I believe God's excited when he hears his children shout like that, Lord, use me. But just as excited as that right there sounded, man, can you imagine the tears that run down our faces if we actually see what God can do? What God can do. You can be seated. Here am I. It's a producing moment. Can I share with you that along the way, as I have looked at certain times whenever God said, all right, here am I right now. Are you willing to be given? And I've surrendered. There have been some times where God said, all right, here I am right now. Are you willing to be given? I said, not right now. I've missed out. I believe we all have. But those moments when I look back, and I look back and see that God was there. God was there. God was there, and God was there, and God was over there, and God was right there. And in those moments when I'm able to look at those and see that I said yes right there, and yes right there, and yes right there, Man, I look back at those moments. So those are pivotal moments in my life when I look back and see where God brought me so much further. He produced so much faith sometimes. He produced so much of a yearning at certain stages. Last year when Kelly had the three miscarriages, can I tell you, that's not a moment we wanted. But it was a producing moment. It was right there where I saw God for who He was once again, and I saw that He brought us so much further than where we were, and we said, God, we want You to use us. But do something specific. God saw fit for us to go through something like that, and I said, Lord, right there in the midst of it, we felt Your comfort. And right there in the midst of it, Lord, we felt You guiding us and directing us and showing us that, hey, You have something right there. And we've had conversations with people. And in those conversations, we've seen that God used that. You say, is that a moment you'd ever choose? No. But I believe every single one of us this morning could share some moments in our lives where we said, God, I didn't have that in my moments list, if you would. Lord, that wasn't a moment that I wanted to highlight. I don't know why you saw fit to highlight that. 
But as you go back to the moment, you'll see that God began to produce some things. My prayer life grew. You say, why did your prayer life grow? What else are you going to do when you don't understand what God is doing? My, my time spent in God's Word, seeking His Word and seeking answers grew. You say, well, why did, why did you get in God's Word more? What else are you going to do when you don't know what God is doing? All of these many things along the way. And there came a time where God brought it all together. There had to come a time in my life where God was saying, okay, I'm right here. I know you don't understand. Matter of fact, you're not going to understand for a little while. But are you willing to say, here am I? There had to come a time where I said, Lord, I'm done searching for answers. I'm just going to trust. Lord, I don't have a clue what you're doing. But I'm so grateful, Lord, that you are the one who's doing it. Notice with me the final thing. We see it's a powerful moment. It's a powerful moment. Notice in verse number 10 what the Bible says. Make the heart of this people fat. Make their ears heavy and shut their eyes. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and convert and be healed. You see, as verse number 8, he says, Here am I, send me. It's a powerful moment because he saw and knew no idea what God was going to do. But you know why it's such a powerful moment? Because it's in those moments when God is working in the heart of a believer and He's trying to get them to understand that, hey, I have something specific for you. Not only do I have something specific for you, I'm beginning to write something that you're going to look back on and say, only God could write this. And as God begins to work, it's a powerful moment because whenever we find ourselves finally giving in to God's plan, And we no longer looking at our plan and we're looking at what we think should be taking place, but we find ourselves saying, Lord, no longer my will. Matter of fact, Lord, I'm going to take my will. As I have my will, Lord, I'm going to rip it up right here. And Lord, I'm going to place, Lord, these chapters that I've tried to write at this altar. Lord, and I'm going to place them right there. And Lord, as a matter of fact, I'm going to ask you for forgiveness because I haven't allowed you to write my chapters. I've been trying to do it all on my own, only to realize, Lord, that that's a little bit skewed. Lord, there's a lot of pleasant stuff in there, but Lord, there's a lot more unpleasant stuff in there because I haven't surrendered all of my life to you. And so, Lord, I'm ripping that paper up. And Lord, I'm presenting to you a a brand new piece of white paper. Lord, you begin to write that story. And it's powerful because of the very moment that you do that, God says, okay, here's the story. He begins to write that story. And as you begin to go through that story, you begin to be in a place sometimes where you pause and you say, never would have thought. Can I share with you, I got saved July 15, 2009. And after I got saved, I got called to preach January of 2010. Up until that point, basketball was life. My life. I still play basketball, still in love basketball. But as I was called to preach, it was at a church camp 
that next summer where a preacher presented that illustration and he had a piece of paper with all of these many things. He began to read this story off. And it was a story that he had read before he had gotten saved. It didn't sound bad. It didn't sound horrible. As a matter of fact, many people would probably have taken his story. Then he began to rip that piece of paper up and he said, in that moment I got saved. Began to take out a new piece of paper. He began to read a new story. But this story wasn't being written by him. The story was being written by God. He began to share all these many things that God had done in his life. And it was at a church camp in 2011, right before I went off to, uh, to, to Bible college, where I finally understood what it meant to surrender my life to the Lord. See, I had surrendered, but I didn't truly understand what it meant to be given to God. Can I share with you, there are times whenever I stop and I'm humbled because never in a million years would I have thought I'd be pastoring Gateway Baptist Church. Never in a million years would I have thought that I'd have two children. Never in a million years would I have thought that I'd been able to see some of the answers to prayer and some of the things that God has done. And as I stop in those moments sometimes, I look back and I can see the hand of God right there. I see it right there. I can see it right there. And as I was having a conversation with somebody this past week, I said those exact words, God has been too good to me. I believe that's a testimony for all of us. Yesterday I was talking to a gentleman. I play basketball with this gentleman, and he was asking me, look, I don't shy away. If someone wants to know what, what God has done in my life, I'll gladly share it. And I... And in those moments when they ask, I, I, I will ask them, are you sure? It was Leroy, Trevor. I was talking to Leroy. And Lord, Leroy began to ask, and I said, and I, I just shared my testimony, shared it all, which he knew I was a pastor, but I shared it all. I mean, we, were, we have 12 minutes in between playing basketball games anyway, so I said, all right, set the timer, 12 minutes, here we go. And I gave him the brief yet long version. We're t- steady talking. And at the end of the conversation, he says these words. He says, man, it just sounds like God has opened up a lot of doors since you've gotten saved. And I I stopped him. I said, and that's exactly right. God has. No longer Josh Farmer. God worked here. God worked there. God's working right now. God is doing some things that we aren't going to see forth for the next three to five years that we don't even have a clue that he has in store for our church. And for you, here's the amazing thing. This morning, would you take that piece of paper, that script that you've been writing. Maybe you took it back. Maybe there was a time in your life when you did surrender, but you took it back. You say, you know what? Lord, I'm going I'm to rip it back up. Lord, I want you to take the script. Lord, I want to be given. And so, Lord, I surrender my all today, afresh and anew. Lord, help me to place myself at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I'm done trying to figure it out on my own. Who will go? Whom shall I send? Here am I. Send me. God, I want you to send me. Well, I'm going to send you to Africa. No. 
All right, well, I'm, I'm going to, look, I'm going to send you here, but you're not going to have Wi-Fi. No more Facebook? No more Twitter? Many of us are saying amen to that. No more television. You're not going to be able to eat out as much as you want. Nevertheless, Lord, hear my Lord, none of those things matter because, Lord, you're worthy. The theme of my life has become you're worthy because I believe he is. I want to encourage you. I want to invite you. I want to beg of you this morning to be a Christian that is given. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. We thank you for your comfort. Lord, we thank you for your hand of protection. We thank you for the many times in our lives, Lord, where you reveal to us what you have for us. Lord, this morning, there's no doubt in my mind that someone, or maybe some, are holding back. Well, they haven't surrendered, truly surrendered and said, Lord, here am I, have thy way. Maybe they've partially surrendered, but they've put conditions on it. Maybe they've said they would, but only if. Lord, help us to surrender right here and right now. Lord, a present moment, right this very moment. Lord, as you call us to action, you call us for a response, help us to be obedient. Move and direct. Guide. Do something special. We'll thank you for it. Pray that you'd use this invitation the way you see fit. It's in Jesus' name we do pray.